Welcome to the first of our Simmons and Simmons Pensions podcast series. We're hoping to engage our audience with interesting discussions on hot topics, all things pensions related. Today, I'm joined by my colleague, James Dean, a consultant in our Bristol pensions practice. For our first podcast, we're going to take a look at the upcoming changes to the notifiable events regime. Trustees and employee sponsors of defined benefit schemes should all be interested in what's to come, as it has potential, in our view, to drive some important changes in behaviour. To recap, the purpose of the existing notifiable events framework is to give the pensions regulator early warning of potential calls on the Pension Protection Fund, which is the pensions lifeboat for defined benefit schemes. The notifiable events are essentially those with the potential to cause harm to a pension scheme, for example, by impacting on the employer covenant. And we have both employer-related events, which employers must notify, and scheme-related events, which trustees must notify. However, change is brought about by the Pension Schemes Act 2021 and underlying regulations which are currently being consulted on will shake up the existing regime and are designed to ensure that the regulator can become involved when necessary much, much earlier on in the process before sponsoring employers make changes which could affect the ability to support the scheme. To summarise, at a high level, the changes proposed are to one, create two new employer-related notifiable events, which are decisions in principle by an employer to either sell a material proportion of its business or assets, or two, to grant or extend relevant security over its assets, where that would have priority over the pension scheme. And then secondly, there's a new requirement which be, which would be created, triggered by three particular employer-related notifiable events to give the pensions regulator and trustees noticed and accompanying statements, which I'm going to call notification plus uh, for the purposes of this podcast, where the main terms in relation to the event have been proposed. So that's the change. Well, those are the changes in a summary. I think points for discussion here, which I'd like to bring James in. I think the first thing I'd like to raise is the issue with the current drafting of the notifiable events regulations, which have been they're still under consultation. But I think there's potential issues in terms of pinpointing, I guess, both decision in principle and main terms having been proposed in relation to a transaction. So, James, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that one. Yeah, I think that's right, Laura. I think the way the drafting works in the regulations can cause potential issues in determining when a decision in principle has been made. So in relation to the first sort of stage of the new notifiable events framework, uh, and that's defined as a decision prior to any negotiations or agreements being entered into with another party. So early on, much earlier than now, uh, than the existing regime, but it's unclear who has to take that decision. For instance, is it a senior board director is it the board as a whole it has to take prior to any negotiations being entered into but there could have been discussions say about selling part of the company or selling some of the company's assets without sort of tripping into negotiation territory so it's unclear exactly when that requirement will kick in um, who has to take that that decision uh, and you know what the consequences um, are, are going to, to be. So there is potentially some confusion there. I think that will be hopefully clarified in in, reg- in the regulator's guidance when we get it. And you've also mentioned the second stage when the 
accompanying statement has to be provided and that's when the main terms have been proposed i think that's relatively clear where there are for instance heads of terms uh, and two parties uh, buying and selling but where there are other parties it's unclear when when that will kick in i don't know whether you agree with me on on the second point laura i definitely agree on that i think where where there are potential potential issues are on auction sales for example where you have multiple parties, multiple bidders for the same company, and that I think the new obligations could add considerable complexities to the process there. And it could be difficult to manage in practice because you'll have multiple parties, you know, the need to engage with the regulator at the same time and manage that communication process across multiple parties. And that's just one aspect of the transaction purely on the pension side. So I think that that could could have a, a real impact on on the progress of a, a corporate transaction and I wonder if in some cases that could actually lead to to worse outcomes for for DB schemes so I fully agree with that one James. Yeah I think that's that's right and I, I mean on on the outcomes point there seems to us there's going to be a lot of notifications being being made at lots of different phases throughout the, the transaction potentially where there's been a material change for instance to the terms of of that transaction and also it's not just going to affect the corporates involved in that but it's also going to affect the trustees because they're going to have to be a bit more much more geared up i suppose to you know, receive that information and, and process it and digest it together with their advisors. Yeah. Well, I mean, hopefully we do get some more clarity on those particular terms in the in the consultation response, which we're obviously still waiting for. So, so fingers crossed we'll, we'll get some clarity or perhaps some changes on that one um, to get yeah. to a slightly better position. The second point I thought was really interesting to, to raise on these changes was the potentially widened net of targets, particularly on the notification plus uh, requirements where you have to submit a notification to the regulator and trustees where main terms have been proposed in relation to three of the um, employer related notifiable events um, and the reason I say that is because the stand for the standard notifiable events the obligation to report to the regulator falls on the employer um, so the sponsoring employer um, in relation to a DB pension scheme now that becomes a bit wider uh, when we're looking at the notification plus list down the line because that falls on what's termed as the appropriate person in the regulations and that's based on a connection and association test that could potentially include within scope entities higher up the corporate chain extended past the the sponsoring employer of a db scheme and i'm not sure that okay for the most for most corporate entities and structures in places that, that you know those those processes to to kind of capture and, and deal with these scenarios would, would already be in place. So I think that's a, a really interesting point to, to kind of flag. I agree with that. I think it's it's a difficult situation to see how that's going to translate into practice. And again, it maybe it's one for, for the guidance, uh, but there doesn't appear to be anything in the consultation material. The extent to which as you say, corporate entities higher up the chain need to be aware of the UK regulatory regime when they're taking these kinds of decisions. And I think it all points to corporates being having the 
correct processes in place, expanding the processes they already have when they're looking at information sharing or potential acquisitions and making sure that that is that is up to date to include the UK regulatory regime and obviously the notifiable events regime. And we, we're certainly seeing interest from overseas clients and, and starting to advise overseas clients to, to, to look at this um, because they are concerned where they've got UKDB liabilities. I don't know what your thoughts are on extending it out to including appropriate person. I mean, it's a pretty, pretty tricky test, the connected and associated mm -hmm. test. Yeah, it's quite hard. To, it's obviously, you know, I think we've said it's kind of well known within the pensions practice, but it's not a difficult test to always prove um, and get to the bottom of. So I think that could also add time to the process when perhaps time isn't necessarily there. Um, when you have a speedy corporate transaction so so yes I agree hopefully we'll get more guidance in the either the consultation response or or you know pensions regulator guidance to accompany um, the regulations in due course I guess the final question I just wanted to raise was whether this could potentially drive any important changes in corporate behaviors more generally either from an employer or trustee perspective um, what are your thoughts on that James? I think it is already driving change behaviours, certainly amongst some of our clients who are aware of the changes to the regime. Some clients are already notifying where they have uh, uh, actions which they believe might fall within the new, new regime. And it's certainly affecting corporate transactions and restructurings that we're doing at the moment even though it's not, as I say, strict, strictly in force. So I think it, my view is that it will affect UKDB transactions more than the new criminal offences will affect that, because a lot of our clients are comfortable that there's no criminal activity or they're being advised that they can be comfortable there's no criminal activity, perhaps more accurately, but what they... Um, will have to do is is certainly notify in in more frequent occasions and ensure that uh, the trustees are kept informed much earlier in the process than necessarily they would have done on the corporate side under the previous regime, which can only be a good thing, I think, for member outcomes. Uh, um, so I don't know whether you agree with that or whether you know the, the sort of scary criminal offences are where the focus is. No, I think I agree with that, James. I think, you know, this is something where we're definitely going to see it arise a lot more often uh, because this, you know, corporate activity happens on a day-to-day -day basis, whereas I think the nasty criminal offences um, are only intended to capture extreme behaviour. Um, so I think it's definitely something which will have more significance um, on a day-to-day -day basis for, for our clients, um, employers and trustees. I think as well, just to flag, it's going to be, I think what we're going to see is more focus on record keeping um, as well and the importance of documenting both processes and decision making and how you how you get to where you got to. So I think that's going to be a, a particular point to, to be aware of, particularly the fact that, you know, a pension regulator can request a lot more now given its expanded information gathering powers as well that has been afforded under the, the Pension Schemes Act. So I just wanted to add that point. I think that's a, a really interesting discussion. Is there anything you'd flag in terms of next steps, James, uh, and key takeaways? 
in terms of next steps, I would flag to both corporates and trustees just to make sure that they've got sufficient protection in place in terms of their record keeping, as you say, to make sure that the new regime is is thought about. I suppose making sure that trustees and em- employers amend their planning processes and and it might affect information flow between companies and trustees the trustees might want to look at the information that the company provides of, uh, as a matter of course and make sure that that's sufficiently broad enough to cover some of these these events so so I think I think there are things that the the trustees and and employers can be doing now to to prepare Super. Thanks very much, James. Thanks for your time today and hope you've all enjoyed listening. Thanks very much.